You're listening to the Ambition Incubator podcast, and I'm your host, Deirdre Morrison. I'll be sharing some bite-sized brain science, thought-provoking questions, and mind-bending ideas about how our brains work, change, learn, and adapt, and how we can use the knowledge emerging from the field of neuroscience to open up new possibilities and make the progress we want in all areas of our lives. So here we are, my friends. 2021 is drawing to a close. It's been a wild ride, and I'm just talking about the outstanding podcast guest selection process. Three clear favourites emerged early on in the process as listeners voted for the guest who'd resonated most with them. And it was always going to be interesting, but at the end of the day, I literally had no idea who was going to walk away with this one. The great thing about hosting a show like this is that I get to meet and talk to people knowing that there will be overlaps of interest as well as areas that we differ on. But the whole process is about exploration. There are many roads to the mountaintop, as I'm told in the dojo, and it's endlessly fascinating to see the myriad approaches that people find to reach their results and continue their journey. What I want to say about all of my guests this year is that every single conversation I've had has been an opportunity for me personally to learn things and see things from new perspectives. And I sincerely hope it's done the same for you. The three clear favourites, by the way, were, in no particular order, Jessica Teachin, author of The Exceptional Life Revolution, whose Letter to My Former Self episode has been downloaded more times than any other episode this year. Then there was Letitia Johnson, a prosperity coach and founder of the Wealth and Wellness Network, which has seen phenomenal growth this year. And Letitia's work to promote and support female entrepreneurs is incredibly valuable. And finally, the one who came from down under to make us all question everything we thought we knew was Beck Mitchell, a woman who likes doing hard things. And honestly, the responses I got to her episode showed that her achievements really do give us pause for thought and make our minds jump the tracks a little. And when the poll closed, Beck had more than 40% of the total vote, making her the listener's choice for outstanding guest this year. And I have to say, she's a very worthy choice. Congratulations, Beck. Here is her episode in full. I hope you enjoy it if you didn't catch it last time around. And if you did, I hope you get something new from it this time. So, hey, Beck, how are you? I am fabulous. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, no, it is definitely my pleasure because I am so curious about what it is that you do. I know that you you do many things, but the thing that has really intrigued me uh, is the idea of water fasting. Um, First of all, how did you get into this? I guess for me, initially, I wanted to do something from a health point of view. So I didn't know much about it. I wanted to see what would happen if I could kind of get my body back to what I now call like a blank canvas. So I'd kind of been a little naughty in my youth and had drunk too much and eaten too much and all of those good things. And I got to an age, my father was actually dying and I thought I would like to give myself the best chance of health that I can. So started researching some stuff, met up with a guy who ended up working for and promoting actually that um, promoted health through fasting. It wasn't about weight loss necessarily. It was more about how to create a better um, vitality in the body through water fasting, which fascinated me. So that's kind of where I started my research to ultimately get to better health, which is what I thought was going to happen. So, um, water fasting sounds hard. Why would you? Why would you do that to yourself? <laughs> um, well, like most things, I like to do hard stuff. I like to make sure that I'm 
pushing myself and finding out what else is possible. So I guess I could have just, you know, gone to a health spa and had a nice little relaxing week away and felt a little bit better. I, I, I really wanted to get to the nth of what was humanly possible for me. So what my body could do if I gave it its best chance, um, which was hard. I won't lie. It was certainly was not an easy experience, but I wanted to find out. I knew I could do whatever I put my mind to. So I thought, right, what's actually possible? What can you actually do if you, mm. if you lose all the fear and just do it? Yeah, that you know, that's actually really interesting that you say that because over the last while I have been thinking about this very idea that, you know, this that pushing ourselves to do something, pushing ourselves to reach our potential is for a lot of people, that is self-care. So, you know, so self-care is not the spa. Self-care is actually achieving what you're capable of. So it sounds like that that's probably a little bit of, of the uh, the thinking for you, or at least the desire in it for you. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like anything less is selling myself short. So I want to make sure that um, I strip back all the, the beliefs and the things that I um, even at an unconscious level, I'm unaware of. So I put, I strip it right back mm. as the way of actually looking after myself. So yeah, as I say, I don't want to rob myself of a life that I could have by thinking that this is it. So as soon as I feel like I've got to almost to the goalposts, I move them every time, <laughs> which I love. It confuses people that are around me in my world, but I absolutely love moving my own goalposts. Yeah, yeah. I guess that yeah, that's something that just keeps us keep keeps our trajectory moving forward keeps keeps us from stagnating keeps us learning keeps that whole gray matter thing that I go on about so much um just turning over and learning and renewing itself so yeah that that makes perfect sense but tell me um so water fasting did you tell me that you had water fasted for 40 days yeah so I have done a number of different fasts um the main one was 40 days straight so no food only water um, for a full 40 days, which was a pretty mammoth effort, actually. But I had done some other fasting um, before and can still continue to do it now, but that was the biggest one I have done in one block. And how often would you do a water fast? So I used to do 10 days every quarter, which was 40 days over the whole year. So I did that the previous year. And then I thought, let's just see if you just concertina time and do that quicker and do the 40 days all at once. Um, and what effect that would have on the body. And then I continue to do at the beginning every year, uh, usually 10 days. And then I might do one halfway through the year, just depending on my schedule and work and um, weight training and physical stuff that I do as well. So just making sure I've never actually sort of gone off to a spa and just kind of swan around at the pool, had a little massage and drunk water. It's always been under avid conditions of touring or doing heaps of work or training weights or doing ridiculous things or taking other people on water fast and fasting with them whilst holding space for 10 other people or having meltdown. <laughs> so I like to find that, yes, <laughs> to do fasting with people who are fasting. Yeah. So this, this, again, this is really interesting. What actually happens when you start a fast? Say you're going to do it for 10 days. What goes through your mind and your body? What, what's actually, um, what should people expect? Uh, I guess it depends on the state of health somebody's in to start with, but the process is much the same. So there's usually like a three-day lead up of preparing uh, mentally and physically doing a little bit of detox to start with. So it's not just a matter of you know smashing all the, your favorite cakes and all these and, and all that sort of stuff. And then all right now we're good. I actually work towards it by doing some juices, working, doing some lemon waters and, and 
weaning off solid food and get into that stage for the, the three days prior. And then the first day of water is actually day one of the fast. Um, also doing a lot of things with cleaning the gut, um, doing colonics and uh, making sure, preparing the body for other ways for it to be able to eliminate things. Because what happens is as we eat and gravity helps kind of take everything through the body and out the back door, so to speak, once it stops having the weight of food to do that, you still need to be able to remove things. And, and after doing, I was getting up to 35 days and I was still able to have things leaving my body as if it looked like I'd be eating food, which was mm-hmm. fascinating to me that the body, that's how much other stuff the body was storing um, and could then eliminate with the help of colonics. So setting up a schedule, setting up a, a plan of how to go about it and uh, in the bigger ones, I have done like an intestinal pull. So I create like a bentonite clay and ultimately take the mucosal lining of the intestines and clean it, pretty much clean it. So all what I call slough, all the slough that sits in the body, the plaque that sits in, everything from the brain to the tips of your toes, all of those areas and pockets of things that are, are stored. The purpose of fasting is it takes the processing of food away and the pressure off that bo- off the body to do those things, to give it time to actually fully clean on the inside. So it's like the ultimate 40-day shower, but on the mm. inside. And you're kind of scrubbing the grout and you're getting into the tiles and you're getting into the plumbing and you're doing the whole bit. You're really updating the entire house. Um, I think one of the things that I found hard uh, initially was knowing, or not knowing, I'm sorry, how much there was to do it was almost like a little team going around the body healing the knee pain healing the ankle pain then next minute I felt like I had a little team kind of doing the shoulders and then I'd have wicked headaches and terrible snots and all this sort of stuff for a couple of days and then it would come but again it was almost like I could feel each part of my body healing and cleaning as we went through the four days. I suppose when things like that happen then you've maybe got very concerned friends and family going, oh, my goodness, look how sick you are. You <laughs> should eat. Is is that a typical sort of response? Yeah, I think that was actually one of my biggest motivators was the amount of people that told me not to do it. I'm just one of those people that <laughs> uh, comes from a very rebellious childhood that I never grew out of and don't intend to. But uh, it, from a, a care and love point of view, my my family, my parents particularly, were absolutely scared to death, thinking that I would die. It was ridiculous that you could go that long without food. Um, so much so they brought my grandmother into the mix and sort of said, well, it didn't work out so well for Jesus when he was doing the whole water <laughs> thing, um, which was totally not the point. But anyway, um, I think the thing for that, I, I actually had zero support. Like the only support really was I had very young children at the time as well, so I had three children. Um, they were a little bit confused. So I was still making their meals. I was still working. I was still doing the mom stuff uh, as a single parent. But I think the drive for me was them looking at me. They didn't see a problem with it. It's just, yeah, mm-hmm. mom's, mom's not having anything. If I felt sick, they knew that. But when I got, I did get very sick with it. And so that became confusing for for the adults to kind of understand, well, if you feel sick, why don't you fix yourself and eat food? And I'm like, it's the very thing I'm doing to heal myself is to not have food. But it was a great motivator because, yeah, the less support I had, the better I did it. <laughs> and tell me, um, you know, you talked about uh, kind of cleaning out all the areas of the body. What happens to like the m- microbes and the mi- micro, uh, the flora of, of your gut, basically? Is that gotten rid of as well in this process? Um, that's a great question, actually. I guess I 
from my own experience, I, I don't profess to be a complete uh, expert in some of these areas, but I do know for my myself it was like being able to regenerate every cell within my own body. So I felt like I had a cellular memory back to zero. So the gut health had a chance to uh, almost reset itself to what it needed to be, similar to how I would process uh, proteins or yeah, just different ways that I would look at those the processing within the body at that level, it gave itself to be able, sorry, get itself to be able to do what it was meant to do without any interference. So it's kind of like a reset in that. Um, I've, yeah, being able to come off of a fast successfully also helped re-engage that gut um, biomes and, and really be able to engage how to break down food and introducing that back in quite slowly so that it had chance to re orient itself to solids again so when I came off the fast my my very first thing was to uh I you know the person I was doing it was it was all filmed and all that sort of stuff and it was pick something that you really really were just dying to have and the challenge that I had was I didn't actually want to come off of it I was so wired I was sleeping needing less than two hours sleep a day because of my energy levels were so intense I was running I was swimming I was going up to the beach every day I was just like I had so much energy. It was a permanent state of ketosis where I had an incredible amount of energy. And that's what a big shock for me because most people said, oh, you must be tired. Sure, there was days where I was sick and I was not feeling brilliant and when everything was pretty much purging and leaving the body. But when I kind of got past that point, which didn't last that long really, then I started to just not know what to do with myself. I was driving the kids insane. It was, come on, let's do this. Let's go here. Let's go there. Running around and when it came to the towards the end of the 40 days and I had to start selecting how I was going to come off of it, I actually didn't want to. I felt like I was going to come down off this incredible natural high that I hadn't had before and I did not want to give up. And I almost had an argument um, in a shop where I was trying to in this organic store trying to decide what I was going to have. And I'm like, fine, I'll just eat the apple. Like I threw a complete tantrum. I did not want to come off this fast, <laughs> even though my brain saying yes. I was like, just another seven days. I'll do 49 days. I kept saying I'll do another, you know, and I'll have, and the, the advice was I'm going to have the same problem then. So I had to just do it and suck it up and throw a tantrum. So I, I got a, an apple, which, you know, a beautiful five-pointed star, and I cut the apple this way, which was kind of like the, um, you know, the how we, how we are designed as a five-pointed star being. So I thought, yep, that sounded all very, you know, symbolic. Sort of, yeah, symbolic. Let's make it all sort, you know, completely woo-woo at this point. Ate the apple and was totally underwhelmed. Went like my whole face. I was like, eat like eating a sour lemon. Um, had a couple of bites of the apple and went, well, that was it. I was really, really underwhelmed um, initially, and then I went through a massive grief process because then I felt this coming down and losing something that I had achieved for myself so it's quite interesting mm. to how to do that so then I ended up doing juices and and really um feeling that revitalization and feeding my body again with some really deep strong nutrients which then I started to feel good again like I felt like I was back in the swing of doing something for myself as self-care as opposed to now losing something so so can I ask you, you mentioned having loads of energy, not eating. You were well into this fast and you had loads of energy. Um, what what else, what are the physical kind of effects or side effects uh, of, of being on a fast yeah. like that? <laughs> Again, like I said, it depends on, I guess, the state of health. I mean, I wasn't particularly ill, but I, 
I knew that I could do a lot better with myself. So I had black thick tar coming out of my body, which I hadn't expected. I was a smoker in my younger days. Uh, not huge, like it wasn't like I was on 60 packs a day or anything, but I did, I was kind of boggled about how I ended up with thick black tar coming out, um, you know, leaving the body out the back door, so to speak. That was surprising for me. Uh, I had lots of my skin, obviously, being part of the elementary canal, my, my skin was uh, definitely all pimply and pretty disgusting there for the first maybe week. Uh, I had a lot of pain in my joints. That was my biggest thing. I had been given a lot of diagnosis as a child of uh, arthritis I played a lot of sports so I was like basically you're going to be crippled by the time you're 18 uh, so I'd kind of sucked up a lot of belief systems mm. of everything I'd been given as a child so those are the downsides the upside was my once I got past that it was around about sort of the for me it was about the 10 day mark of that time now I can kind of get to that stage in about two which is uh, because I've done more cleansing obviously uh, my teeth were white. My eyes were like blue white. My skin—you could—it was like I had had some sort of glimmer sheen sort of sprayed all over me, which was kind of cool. Super alert. I could smell garlic from probably four blocks <laughs> up the street. My my senses were so heightened. I could smell food. I could hear birds. I felt like I had you know that eagle eye view and mm. looking at things. But everything became so enhanced in terms of my sensory experience. It was really, really appealing, that, that feeling of being so in tune with every little nuance of life, conversations with people. I could remember things. My memory was incredible. Yeah. Being able to pick up things and think of things in such a clarity that I had lost it. I thought I had mum brain forever and a day. Yeah. You know, my kids were probably seven and I have twins that were seven and the older one was nine at this point. And I thought, oh, that's it. Baby brain's here forever. But my mental stimulation was incredible. It was like having a like a little brain orgasm constantly every day. It was very cool. Actually, I, I did come across some research recently, and that was one of the things that made me want to talk to you, um, was that they had done some research on fasting and uh, how it was beneficial for memory. So, yeah, that, that is really, really intriguing. Uh, that, it, it, it's just, um, I guess, one of those things, you know, we do, you talked about beliefs there and the, the things that we we do kind of, hang on to that, you know, we've been taught and the people who taught us have been taught. And that probably goes back quite a lot. But obviously, fasting is part of many cultures worldwide. And, you know, before we were agricultural societies, we were season, you know, we were hunter gatherers, we we had seasons and we were um, working with those. So it kind of makes sense that we should be able to do this. So what what is it yeah. that um is it literally just that we now believe or that we have, because we've come through things where there have been shortages and lack of food, maybe through like wars or famines or whatsoever, or that, that people are actually um, just thinking, right, you know, eat it whilst you've got it. And, you know, that that then builds into a belief of, right, we must have food all the time. Mm. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I know that uh, many people I've spoken to have said to me they can't do a fast. They absolutely just can't do it. Their fear kicks in so badly that they feel like they will die or they will starve or they have to. It's like this feeling of having to pull it towards their face and, and have that constant uh, feeling of putting something in. So a lot of it, I would say probably for me, at least 80% of the whole experience was around looking at where those things had come from and doing something with that. 
so that I knew that confidently I had a choice to eat as opposed to had to, um, or I had a, a choice to believe that I had, uh, you know, diagnosed as having arthritis in the knees at 14 or I was going to be riddled with this by this age or whatever. I really stripped everything back. So much as it was a physical cleanse, it was a mental and energetic cleanse at the same time of all the old platitudes mm. that just didn't, I didn't need anymore. I, well, I, I didn't even know I had half of them actually. So I started going through that. And I think for me, then replacing them with things that were much more useful. So for instance, I used to imagine, I know that if you have coffee, not that I used to drink coffee at the time, but if you drink coffee, it kind of stimulates the nerve endings. And so that's why we get this kind of like, oh, I feel really awake and the brain's all enlivened, right? So I used to have this little picture that it was like that, but with water fasting, I felt like all the little if, uh, like little hairs, if you like, the little fibrous bits off the end of all of my nerve endings in my head felt like they were a little heavy. They had like this little bit of plaque or a little bit of slough or a little bit of ugh, just kind of stuck to them and the fasting was getting rid of it. And so as I was thinking and imagining how this picture kept coming up in my brain about how um, yeah, all of these things were being cleaned off and dusted off and then polished off and sharpened so much and then replacing it with things like I felt like I had these massive receptors that could pick up all this information. So I not just got, just removing things that limitations and beliefs, so it's actually then replacing it with things in a way that I could bring in so much into this system that really was able to uh yeah like feel like feel like I was getting information on a, a multi-level mm. all the time rather than just kind of functioning on this three-dimensional yeah. one way of thinking. It's very, yeah, very interesting, which is not what I went into it for <laughs> at all, but little bonus. <laughs> yeah, and I suppose this this idea, that, you know, of our mind and uh, the body and, you know, that, that people do sometimes think of them as separate things, but they are, of course, the one thing, aren't they? And we're seeing more and more information and um, research and stuff coming out about that now, which is absolutely fascinating. And it is, I think, very much going to change in the hopefully not too distant future, how we look at health, how we look at what we're capable of and so on as well. So 40 days, though, that might still seem like a lot to people. Tell me, first of all, I have two questions. Did you have a fail-safe mechanism of some kind um, when you first did this this 40 days? Was there an emergency exit? No, I wouldn't start something knowing mm. I was getting out of it. Not at all. I would just sit 100% in, all in, all the time. So I think I think having a downside plan mm. is an out. So I, I already knew that I was going to be able to do the 40 days. It was going to be easy. I was going to feel whatever I felt come up and acknowledge that and work through it. But it was never, well, if I don't feel too good after seven days, I'll give it a rest by then. It was never going to happen. Just went mm. into it full mm. on. Mm. And the second question then is, if there was somebody who wanted to see if, um, you know, they had this possibility to sharpen their senses, to, uh, you know, tap into that energy, do all of these things, what would you say would to them as would be the first step? I think doing a... Sh- what would be a reasonable yeah, fast? Do a, a shorter fast, fast to start with would be um, my hot tip. Now, most people who do fasting will go 24 hours or they do intermittent fasting or they do it for certain periods of time. I know as a as an 80%, 90% general rule of thumb, you won't feel benefits until around about day three or four. And that's because it takes that long for the body to get into a full state of ketosis. 
So what generally happens is people do one or two days, they feel disgusting, they, they're having cravings, they've got headaches from lack of caffeine or whatever whatever state they're in, and that's when they stop. And my hot tip would be if you're going to do it, at least do it for five. If you can do a five-day fast, um, 10 is best, 10 is optimal. But if you could at least get past that three to four-day mark and give yourself that fifth day, you, it's almost like the holy grail on the other side. You have to go through, um, you know, there's no way around it. You go through it to get to the other side. So it would be start with a 10-day fast, uh, sorry, a five-day fast. Um, a lot of people I've taken through this just are not quite up for that. They're like, nah, not going to have it. Couldn't do that long without food. So they've chosen to do a juice fast first. So a specific type of juice fast that called the Kabbalah fast. So it's carrot, apple, beetroot, apple, lemon, apple the way that it's put together ultimately does the same sort of thing very slowly. So you could do equivalently, you do a 10, I think it's about 10 days of juice fasting. You can get the same benefits of one day of water fasting. So you can kind of experience that, but it's just a lot of juice. It's still a lot of pressure on the body to, to be able to process the juice because it's still that food, but not in a solid form. So it's just a similar result over a yeah. lot longer period of time. Mm. Yeah, I get because you're you're taking a lot of sugar as well in, in juice, aren't you? I mean, juice does contain yeah. sugar, right? I mean, it's beetroot and, and I guess mainly the apple, I guess, but it's um, it's a real cleanser. I've never got on with it, I'll be honest. I, I do it and I do like having juices, but I'm not one to do a juice fast and then the fast will just do straight water. And um, I had incredibly low blood pressure to start with anyway. So obviously the fasting created a few challenges around that, which I found by sucking pink Himalayan salt. I brought my blood pressure up. So that's the only other thing I actually have other have other than water is um, the pink sucking on that to bring up the blood pressure so I didn't fall on the floor. <laughs> mm, wow. So this is absolutely fascinating. And I'm guessing, you know, you would anybody who wanted to think about doing something like this, they would definitely have to make sure that they were in good health. They would have to talk to their health provider or whatever to kind of get clearance for this, right? Um, I guess depends on the person's belief system. I'll be 100% honest and say I I don't. Um, I haven't recommended that to anybody I've taken true fast. If that's something somebody needs to do for their own internal negotiation to actually then go for it, fine. I don't put my health in the hands of anybody. I know my body better than anyone else. So I don't, I wouldn't go and ask somebody who is a medical professional what they think I should do with my body. So I guess I'm, I, I'm probably the worst person to go to the doctor. I've probably been three times in my whole life. I would do things like measurement if somebody really wants to know what their um, certain levels were of iron or they wanted to know mm-hmm. differently. If they want a blood test, for instance, to get their vitals. But honestly, I feel like if you are already starting to do that, you're already doubting the process. There's already an element of, well, if I'm not 100% well, I can't do it. Well, you wouldn't be doing it if you're 100% well, would you? So usually the sickest people are the ones that need to do the fasting. Are are you assuming that um, this is like being done by someone who doesn't have, say, underlying conditions um, like diabetes or heart issues or anything like that? Um, So I have done it with people with diabetes to cure diabetes. Um, Certainly not Mm -hmm. going to say that it cures them. However, I know someone who was insulin dependent I did personal fasting coaching with them for some time is no longer now insulin dependent mm-hmm. because they gave their body the chance to create its own insulin in the way that it needs to do it. And it took an incredible belief system to do that because the body and her whole mm-hmm. family network was set up around making sure all of that happened. So it was an incredible 
and she now lives in Peru up in this most amazing mountain. <laughs> she had a wonderful time um, and she's doing very, very well, probably five years on and still completely insulin in, uh, doesn't have any of that anymore after probably 10 years of being dependent on it. So it can be done. I had another gentleman I worked with who had eight different types of cancer. He's the one who has fasted the longest at that I've personally known. He did 88 days of water fasting and he had a back lot back. of, yeah, all in one go. He had a lot of illness. He was a very unwell man. He had a lot of cancers and he was diagnosed with all sorts of things and his choice was to take the more traditional route or to do something else. In his mind, he was going to, he could have died either way. So he hedged his bets on taking the natural route. That was his choice. And he's still with us today and he looks amazing. He looks like he's probably lost 25 years. <laughs> he's incredible, wow. incredible human. So there are some success stories. It's Certainly about the belief system somebody has to support the success of it. Mm. Beck, is there somewhere that um, people who are listening can find out more about what you do or uh, can I include something in the show notes that they would be able to go and read about some of these case studies for you or your, yeah, your absolutely. Yeah, happy to put those in there. I think um, I've been in a, I've got a magazine that I was published in and a few pieces like that that might be interesting reading as well. And I always say to people mm. that everybody's fasting experience is completely different because we're all at different stages, obviously, physically, but more so it's about where our mental strength is and where our belief system sits. So most of the work I do with people is around getting them mentally ready for it so that they don't feel like they have to have a fail-safe, that they already are thinking what will go wrong before they start. And mm. it, it just, you know, depending on how long somebody wants to do that for and the strategies of the mental strength it takes to do anything like that, I mean, it's not the only radical thing that I've done a few over the years. <laughs> I just come up with, mm. hmm, now what else can, what else is possible? If I can learn <laughs> to levitate with that, with being unaided, that's my next thing. <laughs> well, we will be watching this on that. Come back to us when you can do that. <laughs> I've got a few out there. How to fly unaided without plummeting. Um, yeah, a few, few things I'm working on. Um, but yeah, I think that I'm more than happy to share some of those things in the notes and people can have a read up Fantastic. and find out a little more, ask questions. Beck, this has been absolutely fascinating. Thank you so much. It is kind of mind blowing that the human body and the human mind are capable of these things. And it's always great to chat to somebody who has been there and actually uh, proved that it is possible. Come back to tell the tales. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Yeah, I think we really undersell our own minds and bodies and we're far more capable than we give ourselves credit for. So thank you for letting me share and having me on here. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you very much. So there we have it. Water fasting for the win. Congratulations once again to Rebecca, who showed up and shared in a way that truly had impact. Now, very soon, I intend to be in my favourite place in the whole world. It's a little corner of northeastern Slovenia known as Grad. And if all goes according to plan, next week's episode will be something very beautiful to close out the year. Don't forget to hit subscribe to get notified when that goes live. See ya. Hey, before you go, I want to take a moment to say thanks for tuning into this episode of the Ambition Incubator podcast and just check to make sure you know that you can join me each week for a deep dive, dynamic, collaborative reading of some business classics. You'll find all the information you need when you register for free at ambitionincubator.com forward slash BBC. I'll see you there.